podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Hello, this is the Anfield Rap Show. With your host Rob Gutman sitting in for Neil Atkinson, I am joined today by Andy Heaton and Steve Evans. Um, this is going to be a special because it's the international break, so there's no Liverpool game to, to go through and analyse and dissect. This one's actually, we've, we've subtitled it, The Goalie Question. Where next for Liverpool with this arguably most important position on the pitch? Uh, we thought we might have gone some way towards solving uh, our problems uh, between the sticks in the summer with signing of Loris Karius. It hasn't worked out that way. Minulay's come back in. More questions than answers as we move towards the summer transfer window. Andy's been out and about interviewing a, a wide range of people and uh, and opinions on the goalkeeper situation. The first of which, and you spoke to Joel Richards in Doha about Shamal George and Camille Grabara. Okay, so I'm joined on the line by Joel Richards all the way from Doha in Qatar in his new uh, job as an assistant producer for Being Sports. Joel, as you know, used to be of this parish and also... More importantly, LF worked for LFC, where he spends a lot of time watching the academy football. We've got Joel on the line for this goalkeeper special um, to have a chat about uh, Camille Gabar and Shamal George. Who, uh, and it's fair to say, uh, Joel, from what you from what you've seen uh, for the first time in a long time, we've got two outstanding prospects there. I mean, they've both got their own different skills or attributes that they're strong, strongest in. I mean, we'll start with Shamal George. I mean, it's well, the past season's been a bit of a write-off for him because he's unfortunately suffered with a lot of injuries. But before that, he was showing real promise. And he was at one point last season, he was even the club's third-choice goalkeeper as part of the Europa League squad. And he travelled to Basel with them for the finals. So, you know, there was a lot of progress there. He was highly rated by the academy goalkeeping coaches and even Jürgen Klopp in particular. He was regularly training at Melbourne under John Achterberg. So there's a lot of promise there for him. And, Although he has missed a large chunk of the season, he came back briefly around Christmas and he played in a game at Anfield against Arsenal and he was he was fantastic that night. Even though he conceded, he made a lot a lot of point blank saves to keep to keep the Reds in front. And then late in around January, he played United again this time at Anfield. That, that and, was the um, game with the penalty save, wasn't it? Yeah, and it was a really brilliant penalty save. I mean, to be honest, a lot of goalkeepers don't really get a lot of praise, but but Shamal on the night was fantastic, and that penalty save, I'm sure you you know in your days as a goalkeeper, Andy, um, he, he stretched really to his to his left. I think it was to tip it wide. So it, it was the pace of it. That, it was the pace of it that struck me. It was it was it was almost superhuman. The, the the speed at which he got across the goal and to get a strong enough hand to get it out because. More often than not, you know yourself, John, when, when penalties are struck that well, it's not just getting a hand on it, you've really got to get some meat on it to get it out the frame of the goal. Yeah, of course, and you've got to get really down to your corner because, you, you know, we look at James Milner, the way he takes penalties for Liverpool, he really gets them in the far corner. So as a keeper, you don't have it's enough and really trying to get get down that low. But that, that night, he was brilliant, the way he sprung off his line and, and, and sipped it wide. But, I mean... Just going back to his injuries, it has been really annoying for him. I mean, he was he was in the pre-season squad that went to America well, before that he came on as an outfield sub fluke for still when uh, they were out they ran out of subs. But I, th- I think for Shamal now, unfortunately, our two keepers behind him in Camille Gravar and Kevin Keller, who challenged his place as number one for the under twenty three. So they've been regularly rotating, but so when he when he does eventually come back from fitness, it'll be really interesting to see how that play, that um, competition plays out and whether he'll go back in number one or whether he'll have to fight for his place with alongside the other two. No, go on, carry on, Joel. Sorry, mate. Yeah, I mean, well, 
because as you know, well, again, as everyone knows, the, the goalkeeper, there's only one player who can go in between sticks on a regular basis. So, and how old is he now? I think he's 19. So the next year or two is really crucial for him because either if there's no sign of him getting into the first team at Anfield, then it'll be a case of going elsewhere in his corner, no, no, lower down the pyramid, whether it's at a League One or League Two club. But I've no doubt in his ability, whether he makes it at Liverpool or elsewhere, that he, he can have a solid career in the game. We, we watched him uh, quite a bit in the um, in the preseason tour in, in California, and what stuck out for me, I mean, it was only drills, so you didn't really get a sense of what it, he was like in game. But just watching his drills, he's very much built in the in the shot stopper mould. He's very you know very quick across his line, very agile. You know, I, I mean, what 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 areas do you think he needs to develop? If because if you, you've obviously seen a lot more than me, where where are the little kinks in his game that he can work on, and can he work on them? I'd say perhaps his distribution. I mean, okay, okay. Well, kit, the academy's never really a goalkeeper's great uh, best friend in terms of goal kicks on a windy day. There, but I, th- I think for me, his distribution is definitely one area that he can improve on. And, and at times, he's had a bit of the grobble as about so not in a particularly bad way. But there's sometimes where he's perhaps stuck a bit too far in terms of juggling, no, juggling the ball out, and his decision making can be a bit lacking sometimes. But Again, he's at that age where he's only 19 and goalkeepers generally don't really hit their peak or as it, as it were until later on in the career. So we've seen it down the years with goalkeepers at Liverpool, of course, with David James and the likes of that type. So he's got plenty of time to improve on that, but whether whether he can or not is, is another matter entirely. Would it be, would it be fair to say, uh, I mean, you mentioned David James there and, and that's really interesting comparison because... I'll argue till till the cows come home that David James was the most naturally gifted goalkeeper I've I've seen play for Liverpool, and it, it and correct me if I'm wrong, but it seems that Shamal's similarly gifted in regards to his stature and his agility and you know his reflexes and that. Yeah, I'd, I'd agree with that. I mean, there's been a number of times where I've seen Shamal come out one on one with with um, opposition strikers and he's closing down so quickly that. It's it's been really impressive, and looking at, at that aspect of his game, he, you could easily rank him as the best keeper at the academy who does that. I mean, there's a lot of times where he has made a lot of late decisions like that, where he's come out one on one, he's closed it, he's closed his near post, sounds so brilliant, and it, it's what I'd say that's his strong, strongest attributes compared to his distribution and other aspects of his game. In terms of his marshalling the defence and that as well, he's quite good at that also, but. If if you were to pick one of his, his best his best um, oh, I've got flushed away yeah his best his best part aspect of his game then it is definitely that that the sh- the shot stopping and the one on ones and um, and move on to to uh, Grabara I mean obviously I mean hopefully Shamal get you know he, he gets a run of form and his injuries and that pick up because as I said from what little I've seen seen of him and we were saying before we came on you know there's a real there's a real risk for the first time in our lifetime as far back as I remember that. Either of the two keepers are going to talk about could actually make you know make a career at Liverpool. So uh, we're going to move on to the second one. Camille Grabar is kind of came from nowhere. You know he was saying about uh, you know Shamal's got these injuries and Grabar has come in. We only signed him in the um, in the summer, didn't we? From um, he's Polish. We we got him from Ruch. Uh, do you know how to pronounce it? Ruch Chorzo. Uh, Chorzo. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, bit of a mad one, but yeah. I mean. I think Shamal got injured just after he came home from America. So 
Importantly for Barr, he, he was frustrating to the under-23s. And there was even a spell where he was playing for the for both youth sides on, um, in terms of rotating with Kareem Kelleher. But yeah, he, uh, Camille started the season as number one in the 23s. And there was what the first time I watched him live in person was away at Chelsea. And it was a bit of a mixed night for him because he saved the penalty. Again, he saved the penalty. Um, but then a couple of minutes later, he made a bad mistake that, that allowed Chelsea to score. But, it was one of them where you sort of felt sorry for him because obviously he's a new keeper in a new country. You know, he's just about trying to get to grips with the language and a new back four or a back, back four that changes every week, so to say. So it, I, I sort of felt sorry for him on the night. But as the weeks got on, he grew into the role really where he got asked to go down to the 18s or back up to the 23s. And then the first game that I really saw him make a difference for the side was he played Everton around towards the end of October at Clemson Park and they won 2-0 but as much as Liverpool dominated the game from an attacking point of view defensively there was a couple of times where Everton could have got back into it at around what around 2-0 I think in the last 20 minutes and again like similar to Shamal he's brilliant that he's posting one-on-ones and how he comes out and deals with attackers and he made a couple of brilliant saves on, on the day for that but um, in terms of his all-round game he's really improved as the season's gone but again he's another one who's had a couple of injuries in recent weeks, but it, it, and even the stats in the game has been well known that on the Guardian's website last year, I think it was, it was included a list of 60 world footballers like as part of their Next Generation series, and included in that list was uh, Milan's first choice keeper, Don um, Yeah. So he's in, high steam list, in a high steam list there um, in terms of his, his potential going forward. Yeah, and he, and you talk about stature. I mean, physically, his physical stature is also very imposing. He, he's just a, he's, it says it. He's 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 uh, nearly two meters tall, which I don't know what that is in pounds and ounces, but it's fucking big, like. But yeah. um, <laughs> I was looking. I mean, from what little research you can do on him, you know, he, he seems he seems to have similar strengths to uh, Shamal, but maybe maybe a little bit more consistent. I mean, you referenced that error against Chelsea, and I think he's only made one other one, and. and our mate Andy Kelly over at the Echo there who watches a lot of them said, you know, you can't half tell when Grabada makes mistake because they're that rare. Yeah, I'll go along with that because the only other one that I've known was, uh, I think he started playing the ball out in the game against Huddersfield a couple of months ago and it, 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 the was to Jordan Williams and he lost the ball and, fought, and then Huddersfield ran through and scored. But yeah, I can count his mistakes on, on, one, on one hand really, to be honest with you. And then there was another game, um, I think in January, where it was against Sunderland away, and it was on a really bog of a pitch, but he made a lot of brilliant saves. And what I've noticed with him is, Andy, is not the fact that he can obviously make reflect of his arms, but other aspects with his feet. Now, David De Gea is, is one of the keepers, and the most fit, multiple keepers I know, who can make saves with his legs and his feet, and he's quite adjustable. And I, I noticed Camille gets, has done that in a number of games this season, but this Sunderland one in particular, Chance come in from the left-hand side and then after, after the strike has got to it, the bar has just adjusted his feet so perfectly that he's managed to get get, get it away with, with, um, with a great contact. But I, I remember interviewing him after that Sunderland game for TV and, and he is quite confident because that's the one thing that as well as a keeper that you need in the bundles and he seems to have it despite the fact that, again, I mentioned the point earlier, you know, he's new to this country, he's 17, 18, and he's, he's having to adjust to that and the fact that he's got to deal with um, a language as well in terms of communicating with his, with his back four. So everything's there for him and 
Actually, Mel George out. He's got a chance there to, to get a, get up to Melwood regularly, get under the eye of him, John Ackerberg, and obviously, you know, try and stake his claim for a future chance of the first team. Well, I mean, you, you say as well, I mean, there's an interesting point there about you saying with his feet and kind of, it almost sounds unorthodox sort of some of the saves he makes, but isn't that, do you not think that's becoming prevalent across across Europe? I mean, you look at the De Gea makes mad saves and, you know, Neuer, another one, you know, he'll make saves with, with, with they don't look orthodox, you know, in, in like, you know, in the mind's eye where you think it's all, if you're not catching it with your hands, you're not doing it right. Is that something that's, and ever, do you think that's a, a part of the evolution of the coaching at the academy, or do you think that's just within Grabara? Um, I think it's a bit of both, to be honest. I mean, the, the, I've watched a couple of sessions, luckily, where, um, over the past year or two, to watch, to watch the goalkeeping coaches at close hands. You know, Mark, Mark Morris and Neil Edwards do a fantastic job there at the club with the keepers. I mean, they're regularly getting them shown different zills and trying to adapt to the way the game's going. And I think ever since the back... You'd go back to the 90s when the back pass law really changed and obviously keepers ever since then have had to be quick on the feet and not, not being able to pick the ball up and bounce it however far along they've wanted. But I think with Grabara, it, he's most definitely taken on the Neuer and the Hermals where he's trying to be trying to outwit the attackers with his feet or trying to the ball out of his box. And even even a high line to an extent, which Carrius sort of tried to do when he had his spell in the, in the first team. And going forward, I think I think that's something that came back about developing. Hopefully, it'll shave him well in years to come. So I'm gonna have, I've got to ask you because I asked you about Jamal. I mean, it all sounds very very promising, but what I mean, he's he's got a year. He's just he's a, he's a year younger than Jamal, isn't he? I mean, literally more or less to the day because Jamal was born on the sixth of Jan, Camille was born on January yeah. the year before. If there was areas where you think he could improve or things that he, you know. He, he could highlight to push, maybe push himself to get up to Melbourne permanently. What, what would you be if you were to, if you were, if you were describing him to, to the manager and pushing his case, and and he asked the negatives, what would he be? What, well, would you, what, what, what does he need to work on? I think that ball playing in a sense of times because that's got him into trouble on a few occasions. And when when I've been at games, I've I've heard again the goalkeeping coach Mark Morris sort of bar him to be. More careful about how he, what sort of balls he plays because there's been a few times where he will clear it upfield, like say out onto the wing, and then either it's gone off for the throwing or it's been intercepted pretty quickly. So I think in terms of that, when knowing when to play the short pass or the, or to who to just clear the deck. I mean, he, is that more a technique thing, Joel, or is it a deci- or is it a decision making thing? Do you think? I'd say it's just decision making because obviously as a keeper. You, you know, you need you need to be a hundred percent sure in what you're doing because if you're standing there for a bit and, and not oh, where's where's where to clear the ball, do a throw it out, do a hoof it out, do a short pass it, long pass, the attackers can sometimes eat sometimes easier and you'll get closed down pretty quickly. And I think it, it, again, his communication could be improved on a little bit because I've noticed him sometimes he's not much of a shouting in a way, but. Again, obviously, that, that might be something he might have improved since since of not being at any games. But if they, they are the, one, the, the, the two areas that I think he needs to work on if he if he is to get into to have any chance of getting in the first team. Well, yeah, I mean, you've said it. So just to follow up, I mean, can you see if you had to if you had to put any money on it, given that you know the reason that we established number one, if we're being honest, in the first team. Well, two questions really. Do you think either of them have got enough 
to make an impression in the first team? And if you had to pick one over the other, who would it be? I think they've got enough, depending on what happens this summer with Klopp, whether he decides to address the issue or not. I mean, because I remember writing it in my article for you guys um, a couple of weeks ago. And I think if Klopp doesn't address the issue in the summer, and if he thinks, right, I'm happy with what I've got, which, which is what he said last week, by the way, didn't he? Klopp said last week he, he thinks he's well stocked. But anyway, carry on. Yeah. So I think I think if he doesn't buy a new goalkeeper this summer and he gives them all a chance of a year zero, and if he thinks, right, Danny, Wall, I'll bring Danny Wall back in for a bit and I'll test them. Like, say if he just has them all in training one day and assesses them, then I think they have got a chance going, going forward over the next year or two. But I think what might help the pair of them is if they do have a loan spell here and there, whether even if it's just a short-term one, whether it's half a season out over the next year or so on rotation. So then one of them's first choice in the 23s and then the other's out on loan getting experience. Then I think that will help them beneficially. And they probably would have a chance of making it at Anfield. But um, in terms of the second question, I'd say Gabar has got the better chance of getting in the first team. But I, I, do, I, do, I do hope one of them makes it at least... Well, if I have to put my money on it, I'd, I'd go with Grabara. So, there you have it. Put your mo- get down the bookies now. £100 on Grabara making his first team debut before the start of next season. And anyone says anything, <laughs> Joel Richards told you. Joel, thanks very much for that, mate. Really appreciate it. Well, man, he goes to sort as always. Superb. Right, we're going to go back to the main show now. And uh, here's Rob. Lovely to hear again from our Joel in Doha. Um, it was interesting, and he, he seems to be pitching for Camille Grabara, doesn't he? I've seen a fair bit of him. He's, he looks a prospect to me. Yeah, I mean, he, he talks at length about the pair of them and, you know, how they're the best two prospects uh, in that position to come through the academy since maybe that it's been set up because I don't think Liverpool have ever had an academy graduates playing goal for them mm. before. Um, but, yeah, no, a bit of an embarrassment of riches. It's about the Kelleher there is not, is not far behind the pair of them too. And, um, yeah, just... Some interesting observations about the. They seem to share similar strengths and weaknesses. Joel saying there, the pair of them, the distribution could be better in both instances. One, which uh, with with Camille especially, seems to be a little bit over eager sometimes. But um, yeah, it's a great interview, and um, yeah, it's great to speak to Joel. Um, Steve. We we look at young keepers at Liverpool, don't we? Down the years, and you hear you hear some good things every now and again. But as Andy said, there's no one's ever really made it. Is it what can a young keeper really make it at a top club like Liverpool? Or are they always destined to look look beyond them because of the impatience of the situation? I think it's that specialised of a position that you have to have someone who's going to come in and improve. Being no settling, no get no settling period as a goalie, do you? There's no sort of like sort of breaking in period. You're in there and you're under the spotlight straight away. So um, I think a lot of the time the club will look for. Sort of experience um, at, at sort of any sort of top level before they, they throw take a chance on throwing the kids in. Um, it is quite strange that you don't see many kids coming through, um, especially um, you know with the amount of sort of spotlight on the goalies these days. And I do think that kids these days, compared to when I was younger, are better athletes, bigger, stronger. Um, so it maybe is coming towards the time when you will see you know a kid come through and make you a real the, good you impression. Got, you got the kids at Sunderland, haven't you, Pickford? Yeah, he looks very good, very decent. I'm not too sure he's got the size himself at the moment. I think he may be just a, a, a touch short. I mean, I dabbled as a goalie myself when I was younger and I grew the wrong... I got to a certain age and grew outwards instead of upwards and that was sort of the end of that, really. I think you, you look now, some of the, the giants that are playing goal, I think that's a massive factor as well. So, uh, But it's an interesting one. It, it's, as I said, such a specialist subject and such a specialist position 
that um, you know it's the, the the pressures that come with it make it very very difficult for kids to break through. Well, let's uh, go to the next interview. Andy spoke to uh, Greg from the Huddersfield podcast, Thrice Champion. This is called the Thrice Champions podcast about Danny Ward, who has actually seen Premier League action. So let's go and hear from Andy and Greg. And now I'm joined by Greg from uh, Huddersfield Town Podcast, Thrice Champions. You can find them on Twitter, HTAFC Podcast. Greg, nice one for joining us uh, today. Um, and uh, we're going to ask you some questions about uh, your goalkeeper and our goalkeeper uh, and everyone's best friend, Danny Ward. Um, as, as he settled in down there, he's, he's had a good season? I'd say uh, 8 out of 10 season. Um, we, we, we had a couple of goalkeepers last time. Uh, last season, who, who were uh, particularly very good, in, in my opinion, a, a pretty bang average. But uh, I'd say he's had a really good season. He's few mistakes here and there. There's a few issues with his game, but that's same with any young goalkeeper. But you know, two or three times a season, he's, he's he's saved us. You know, he's won us points, and he's definitely won us more points, and he's dropped us. And the way the um, the way that Huddersfield plays is actually too dissimilar to the way that, that Liverpool play. How how has he fitted into that that high octane style? You know the quick distribution, the, the high press, and and kind of like the the aggression of it all. His distribution is really good. Um, he can pick a pass, which is quite evident. So you know he, he had a bit of blip in form earlier in the season, and and you know quite rightly people saying I'll give our second goalkeeper a chance. But you can see the difference between the two. You know, he, he, he's really good with the ball at his feet. Uh, sometimes it's a bit slow with distribution, especially if we can counter-attack. But I think that's more of a style that we play. We kind of like to build up patiently and, and work teams. But, um, you know, not not many keepers we've had in, in, in the last you know, 15 years who can, can hit it straight to the left-back who stood it on the touchline and not go straight out of play. He's a really good sweep-keeper. Uh, he comes out, he, he he reads the game really well. Sometimes on, in one-on-one situations, he's not the best, but when he when he got to come out, he, he does. Um, and, and his shot stopping ability as well. That's, 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 that's probably what sets him apart from many goalkeepers in this division. I mean, how would you say, I mean, you, you say about his, his one-on-ones because we're, we're going to strengths and weaknesses. I mean, what, what could he be doing better in your opinion? I think because we, I'm not sure how much how used he is to playing the, the, the kind of the sweep keeper role, which is kind of come into uh, our game and, and probably yourselves through like the German system. But he, he seems to really commit, and sometimes I think um, I'm a bit critical on him. I think the goal that we conceded, we got conceded a goal when we beat Brighton three-one, and he came out. I mean, he had to come out, but he didn't stand up. He didn't. Um, he didn't make the attacker make the decision. You know, he went early and then it was just easy call for, for uh, the Brighton lad to score. That mm. two or three times a season, he's been laughed in nine situations. And to be fair to him, it's not his fault. It's the defence's fault. He, you know, he should be left in that situation. But I just think with a bit of now, I remember David De Gea when he first came to England being a bit similar. You know, he rushing out, rushing out, make the attacker make the decision you don't make it for them make them make the decision because sometimes they will miss I mean how would you, do, you, do you think his game was I mean he's, he's been put out on loan because he is highly rated at Liverpool to to try and I don't know develop his game a little bit do you, do you, have you seen any progression in his game since the start of the season because like, obviously the championship is so competitive now yeah I think um, I, I mean one of my, my 
critical point is his command of the area. I think that's pretty non-existent. Um, but I think it's improved throughout the season. I think that's come into play in a tougher division than the SPL, where he was Aberdeen. And uh, at the start of the season, he would very rarely come for anything. You know, he, he was a line keeper. Now he's coming for more, which, you know, I think that's experience. So, you know, not many keepers when they're young will actually come and claim everything. I, we're quite lucky to have our second choice goalkeeper being 20, 21 years old. He'll, he'll do that. But, you know, that for the, in the last three months especially is, is kind of come to fruition. He was never coming for him. Now he's coming, he's commanding the area. And, and he's getting, now we have kind of a settled first choice two centre-backs. I think that's really helped him develop as well because he knows their strengths. And both our centre-backs are really good. Our first choice, should I say, are really good. So it helps him when he's on the ball. And, and as you say, Greg, he is only 23, so he's in that he's in that bracket where he can develop his game, and maybe as well, you know, not being in the spotlight of the, the Premier League, where every kind of mistake is pounced upon. Do you feel it's a really good environment for him? Do you think he's thrived? Yeah, because I think he's come to a club that I think the fans are 100% behind, and they make mistakes. I think he's only made, I could say, one howl of this season, which was. Uh, towards the start of the season when we lost 1-0 at Brighton and he was a howler and he should have saved it, the keeper would have saved it but ever since then he had a bit of a blip in form he, he, he came back I think he had a little niggle and his shot stopping ability um, I'm not sure if it's like, probably on YouTube somewhere, uh, we played Wolves at the start of the season, we're 1-0 up and he made an absolute world save palmed it out and our, our manager, David Wagner, I'm sure uh, you guys may have heard of him and seen him, the, the, the whole best mate thing with Jürgen Klopp, but uh, Wagner at the end of the game ran 50 yards and jumped on war. That's how important he has been, and he's won his games. He won his game at Queen's Park Rangers, where he made three or four real outstanding saves. And he's got that ability, which you don't often see. I mean, we had a keeper called Alex Smithies a couple of years ago, and he, he went away. He's got ability and he'll probably end up in the Premier League one day. And we really haven't had a keeper that good since Warder. I do rate him. I think he's got his critics. Well, that's because he's 23. Give him three or four years and I can see him being at least a number two with Liverpool. Funny you mentioned Smithies because in a previous life, I used to cover Huddersfield Town uh, for a couple of the papers and Smithies was the goalie then. How do, you, how do you feel he compares to, well, him and the championship goalkeepers in, in general? I, probably, I say Ward at his age... Uh, he's slightly ahead. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm a big fan of Alex Smooth and I still believe he'll play in the Prem. Um, but uh, it just didn't work out here and we've got quite a good bit of money for him. Um, but I think he's ahead of him at this stage in, in, in quite a few areas, shot stopping. But I think if, if you're talking about one area to make, to, for War to make that step up, because you know, he's got potential to be Wales number one and he's got potential, I'd say, next season to be Liverpool number two. He's just got to get command of the area right because it's important this, this day and age. And a lot of keepers don't have it anymore, which is, you know, you're about 20 years. Keepers used to come for nearly everything. So I think if he gets that stage of, uh, stage of his career progression next, maybe even going to a London Premier League club. And if he can bring in that uh, command of his area and maybe a bit better distribution, quicker distribution, I think you've got a real gem. If I mean, let's say for argument's sake, and I hopefully do, do you guys do get promotion to to um, to the Premier League? Would you be comfortable going into next season with him as your number one? Definitely. Um, like I said, I'd say right now he's a top end Championship, lower end Premier League goalkeeper. He's made. You know, I can count on two fingers. 
how was that he's made. He's saved us so many points this season. You know, we've we've won sixteen goals, sixteen games by one goal. That's how important he is. And uh, I'd, I'd, I'd welcome him back next season if we're even if we're in the championship. Fantastic. So listen, Greg, thanks very much for that. It's been absolutely brilliant. It's exactly what we needed. Uh, and again, uh, Greg is on from uh, Thrice Champions Podcast. Greg, what's your Twitter again? At HTFC Podcast. There you go. So, uh, yeah, no, that's been absolutely fantastic. Uh, really good insight on Danny Ward. So, Greg, nice one for that. And uh, good luck for the rest of the season. Cheers, mate. Cheers, mate. So, and all sounds pretty good on Danny Ward. I mean, he showed last season briefly in the Premier League and he's, he's had some experience with Wales. Uh, you optimistic for his, for his career as a, as a professional footballer at the top level? Oh, he'll have a career. I think I think that much is, is absolutely clear. I mean, even at the stage now, he's, he's, he's being capped by Wales. You know, he's, he's played for Liverpool. He had a good spell up in Scotland as well. Huddersfield are made up with him. Um, there was comparisons there with... With Alex Smithies, who was the Huddersfield keeper a couple of years ago, who's now with QPR, and they sold him for, for quite a, a bit of money. I mean, Greg was really good, and it, it, it was good to get uh, spend the time with us. I mean, I think the key there is the end of it when I asked them, you know, if Huddersfield do go up next mm. next season and there's an option for maybe him to stay, would they have him as as first choice in the Premier League? And he said unequivocally, yes. Mm. Um, he said his distribution's great, you know. He's um, which is he said which is rare at that level. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. He said, shot stopping seconds tonight. He said, a little, some questions maybe about uh, his presence in the area, you know, coming for cross. But he said, you know, he's, he's only 23, so he's still developing mm. and that is slowly improving. So, you know, it, it, for Danny Ward's career, will he have a career? Absolutely. Um, will it be at Liverpool? I don't know, but I think that moves on in the world of good. Mm. OK, let's let's move on to talk about one of the, the, the two lads who are sort of <laughs> battling for the Liverpool goalkeeper jersey. And you spoke to Lutz Fallenstiel, who is a former professional goalkeeper himself and currently a Hoffenheim scout, and this was that interview. And we're now joined by uh, Anfield Rap regular, nearly, and our good friend Lutz Fallenstiel. Lutz, how are you, mate? Very well, very well, thank you. Yourself? Yeah, fine, fine. Just let us see uh, <laughs> your boys are having a good season. Hoffenheim are having a good year so far. Yeah, actually, you know, after nearly uh, going down last year, just survived by Wiska, I think uh, it a really, really good season. Uh, now, fourth the rock and really with a, a big chance to, to even go a little bit higher in the next two weeks when we have Bayern Munich at home and Hertha Berlin away. I think it will tell us in what direction we will go. But I think European League international football now is only... Not that many games to go. I think it's something which we have to aim for now. So, so far, so good. So, uh, are Liverpool going to be playing Hoffenheim in Europe next season then? No, that would be, would be obviously something very special. I mean, you know that uh, Kloppo has millions and millions of fans in Germany. So, if, if Liverpool would get drawn to any German team, it would be something special. But, of course, uh, if he would come to Hoffenheim with uh, such a big club, I think that would be the game of, of a lifetime for, for our boys. Brilliant. So listen, why I've got you on the on the phone, I want, I want to talk to you. We're doing a, a keeper special this weekend. I want to talk to you about uh, Lawrence Carius. I mean, obviously signed signed for Liverpool in the summer with the intention of being from Mainz, with the intention of being number one, and everyone was very excited. None more so than myself because we'd, we'd seen videos of him and we 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 watched him a little bit because th- there were strong rumours from earlier in the year he was going to sign, and it just hasn't it just hasn't worked for him so far. I mean. What, what's your opinion on that? What, why do you think this? Why, why do you think it's gone so wrong? Well, you know, I I see it a little bit more neutral. I don't think everything has gone wrong. I mean, I'm watching quite a lot of, of, of Liverpool games and in the 
especially in the cup. I think he uh, he did he did a, a decent job. You know, we're still talking about a very young goalkeeper uh, moving from Mainz, which is I would call it a, a normal a normal club in Germany, uh, more on the smaller side going to like a, like a giant club like Liverpool. Of course, it's a completely different pressure every week. Uh, now suddenly you're having the League Cup, DSA Cup, uh, you know, so many different competitions. So I think he just needs some time to to really uh, get used to everything, to acclimatize. And, and on the other hand, I also think uh, lots of Liverpool fans... Uh, Say well, we have a goalkeeper problem. I don't think you you really do. I mean, you're having two good goalkeepers. I think only with two excellent goalkeepers you can actually uh, win titles and, and, and qualify for the Champions League and, and be successful. And I think Lino Leahy he took he took the pressure which uh, obviously Carius uh, gave him when he when he arrived. I think he took it quite well. And uh, maybe that was a point which Carius was not used because uh, the last. A uh, year when he played in Mainz, he was the clear number one. He was one of the star players in Mainz, and probably suddenly he had to fight against a, a, a good Belgium goalkeeper for his number one shirt. And uh, you know, it didn't, as you say, work out that well yet. But I still believe that he's strong enough to to bounce back. That he will give uh, Simon Minnelli a good run for the for the starting uh, position. Yeah. And. Trust me, I, trust me, I saw him often enough in Germany to know that he's a good goalkeeper. Yeah, I mean, we, I mean, all that, all that. I mean, granted, and he is young, but you can't escape the, the feeling that you know he, he would have expected to go better. I mean, he arrives and he has a fairly good preseason, and the, you know, the, the, the opinion is that the, the prevailing wind was that he was going to start the season as number one, and then he breaks his hand in in the preseason, yeah. which sets him back. Yeah, the injury obviously was a big was a big uh, point as well because uh, I think he was on the right way to to get uh, the trust of 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 of, Klopp, of the of the coaching team. I think also the fans they they were as you said excited. They liked him, and then uh, this injury basically really really put him back, and and then the, the pressure started to to grow. And you know, I, I watched a few things the last few months, and also what what I, I don't agree with some of the pundits when they. It's like uh, completely whacking a whacking a goalkeeper. I say if, if Peter Schmeichel, David James, or David Seaman would be there and would talk about a goalkeeper, I would say yeah. You know they know what they're talking about. But many of the pundits they know the football very well. No, but to, to judge a goalkeeper, to discuss a goalkeeper's performance and especially mistakes, I think um, it's not always that easy for a for an outfield player to really really judge that uh, matter. And I think that was one of the things which Carius uh, uh, had a little bit to get used to because uh, the criticism which he had to face uh, from the from the media, but also from the pundits, uh, I think was a little bit too much. And he probably, even though he he doesn't so in, 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 on the top of his head, I think in the back of his head, it made a little bit of an impact on him as well. I mean, I, this is what I wanted to ask you because I I, I feel a little bit sorry for Loris Carius. Um, Main, and I'll explain why. I mean, he he came he came in and he, and he didn't have the best run of form. But one thing that you mentioned there, which kind of struck me, is that if we'd signed the keeper from England, everyone would know what to expect, what his strengths are, his weaknesses are, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera, because you know you you watch them a lot. But then Lawrence Carriers comes in, and no one really knows what to expect in regards to what his strengths are, what his style of plays. Because you know as much as anyone now, there's different styles of goalkeeper. So. What, 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 I suppose what I'm asking you lots is what, 
what is Carrius good at? What are his strengths? And what, how can he be of benefit to Liverpool? What's he good at? Well, I think that, uh, you know, uh, just uh, talking about uh, the last season he had in mind, because before he, he basically uh, shot from, from being number three as a young goalkeeper to number one and then performing week in, week out. He, he kept always very, very calm. He had a very calming kind of appearance also to his uh, to his backline. So he, he looked confident, made difficult things look easy. And um, I think obviously his strengths, in my opinion, is when he's one-on-one with the players. Uh, I, I saw also some very good face. He had that already in the Liverpool shirt. But um, on a one-on-one situation, he waits very long. He stands very tall, makes him feet. Um For some reason, at some of the, of the high balls, he, he struggled a little bit. Uh, I also watched the game against the Wolves, which, you know, well, in one of these games, he gets nothing to do. And in the end of the day, you're losing against the championship side, dropping out of the FA Cup. And people start to point at the young goalkeeper, which had absolutely no, not really a chance in this game to, to, to save the club from, from going out. So all these things, that is, it's just a different mentality than, than it is in mind. If you play for Liverpool, you expected to play every game brilliant. You expected to win everything again. You're always the big favorite. And even if you play against Man City or Man United, the fans still expect that you win. In mind, he had a different kind of position for the club which played in the midfield. If they won three, four games in a row, then, you know, the whole city was booming. So I think it's just also the size of the club which he needs to get used to. Um, I, I really I really believe in the boy, you know. I think he had... Uh, um, I mean, we have a lot of good goalkeepers in the German Bundesliga and I think he was one of them who really stood out uh, the year before he he, uh, he moved to England. So give him a little bit more time, and I think maybe in the next season he can actually really fulfil that what people expect from him. So you, you think that um, come the summer, you know, there'll be a reassessment, and you think that long term he will regain that number one jersey from Simon Mignolet? Well, yes and no. You know, I mean, uh, I, I do think he has the power to do that, but uh, you shouldn't underestimate Minnelli because on a day he's uh, I mean I always think back when he played for Sunderland he was absolutely outstanding but that's the same thing what happened to Karius who expected a lot from Sunderland that season when he played brilliant you know if he kept him in the league that was brilliant now then he goes to Liverpool and suddenly the whole mind frame has changed you're there to win titles you can't make a mistake or the whole country or the whole uh, Let's say the whole of Liverpool is basically killing you for that. Um, I think that was also Mignolet had to had to deal with in the start, but I think now he basically focused on that, and um, and I think that is also the time what he needs. But I believe that he has two goalkeepers which have roughly the same level. It's up to the to the fans to decide if they think if that's good enough for a team like uh, like Liverpool. I do believe that they are two. Definitely good enough goalkeepers to 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 hold their jersey on a, on a long term, and I think uh, knowing uh, Jurgen Klopp that he's not really uh, desperate now to looking for another goalkeeper to replace one of them two or try to get another number one. I think they need the trust. I think they need a bit of time, and you know, looking at the table, looking at the stats, it's not all that bad. And <laughs> you're looking at the defensive record. So, what does? What does Diego Klopp look for in a goalkeeper? I mean, because you say they're at a similar level, but they're, they're like chalk and cheese, the style of play. So when I'm talking about distribution-wise, you know, Sam, 
we've, we've watched Mignolet now for, for years and it, it always seems a little bit slow releasing the ball. His distribution isn't great. Whereas, you know, Carrier seems his starting position seems a little bit further up, but he's a little more aggressive with his distribution. I mean, what, what does Klopp look for in a goalkeeper typically? Well, uh, when he was in uh, in Dortmund, I mean, he had had this this Weisenfeldner this goalkeeper who was, I would call it, very traditional. You know, not a goalkeeper who was brilliant with the foot, more uh, uh, still the, the typical old-fashioned goalkeeper, uh, catching, saving, uh, but uh, crosses one against one. But being that much involved with the foot, he was average. I think the the way the game is played in England, you do need obviously a goalkeeper who can really, uh, uh, yeah, distribute the ball, start the attack. But uh, just uh, talking about, for example, looking look at Claudio Bravo. I mean, he was considered one of the best goalkeepers coming from Barcelona. How how difficult he found to adjust to that English game. He's good with the feet. He's a good distributor of the ball. But his way of distribution so far seems not to work at a club like Manchester City. So it's not... Yeah, it's it's yes, of course, you can say what goalkeeper Klopp likes. I mean, looking at the goalkeeper he had in Borussia Dortmund, that goalkeeper would not work for Liverpool. So I think uh, I think what what he wants is a very solid goalkeeper, which doesn't make many mistakes, where the defense can rely on. And I think you don't always need a goalkeeper who saves three, four dead balls every game, but just know that he's very, very steady, very stable. He doesn't make mistakes, and that's how the defense line gets security. I think that is what. See, he looks for that's what he also had in the clubs before when he coached in Germany. Mostly very solid goalkeepers with a very, very small percentage of mistakes. Uh, I think that is what he wants. And to be fair, when he signed Carrius from Mainz, that's exactly what he had in that season before joining Liverpool. So I think uh, that is what to expect. Uh, if I'm looking at the international goalkeeper market at the moment, or also at the one in England, I don't know that many goalkeepers who just would come in and jump into goal for Liverpool and say, here I am, I'm clean number one. It's not that easy. So what So what, So what? what separates? So you, you talk about Mingale and Carrier specifically being at, at a fairly high level. So And you talk about Bravo being regarded quite correctly as well, class, when he came in. So what separates um, a Carrius, for example, from uh, David De Gea or a Mamal Noya or a Timo Courtois? What 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 separates them? Because this there seems to be, we we we. But Liverpool have had this thing where we feel like Pepe Reina aside, we haven't had a, what we'd rely to speak of as a reliable goalkeeper for like twenty five years. Yeah. One that really excels. So what separates the best from the rest? Yeah, I mean, as you mentioned, I think uh, you know Neuer and De Gea. It's the two best goalkeepers probably at the moment in the world. Um, yeah, I mean to. But apart from that, if you if you check in then the number three, number four, number five in the world, who is there then who would fit? Let's look look at Buffon. Everybody talks about Buffon. Well, he's an old man, but he's more also a traditional goalkeeper. Not great with the feet, not a brilliant distributor, but he's just a leader. I don't think he would work for Liverpool the way the way you play. I don't think he would fit in the style of play of Jurgen Klopp, even though he's one of the greatest goalkeepers of all times. So, you know. Uh, well, Neuer, Neuer is probably the best distribution in the world. I mean, his, his way, the way he can play football, the way the way he reads the game, and also the way he, um, I would say, his uh, his presence in the goal is just at the moment in the moment outstanding. Well, the hair, you know, he also think back the first year when he came to Manchester. Now compare the hair and compare him 
with uh, Garius the first year. Did really the year had a brilliant year, the first 10, 12 months. He made all the many mistakes. Many, many people have He's not up to the level yet. He has great but he still had that one two blunder in the game, which people remember. And slowly he got into the game, and now he is obviously at the top of his game, of the best in the world. I think he also have to give uh, Karius that chance uh, to to really come in because not everybody uh, uh, just walks in and plays. That Neuer also made mistakes when he was in Schalke when he was very young. Only when he came to Bayern Munich, he started to be very stable. So to find that perfect goalkeeper who doesn't make any mistakes, I think, you know, you will look for a long time. The, the, everybody makes mistakes and it's just, I think, the the number of mistakes, obviously, but also when is the mistake made? If you're 3-0 up and you make a mistake, it's fine. But obviously, if it's 0-0 against Man United and two minutes to go and you make the mistake, then it's the problem. So I think it's a lot about to do with the head you know, with the, with the brain, with the self-confidence, because the quality of goalkeeping, looking at Minule and Karius at training, they're both quality goalkeepers. So it just, I think, comes to do what's happening in the head, how they really can perform spot on at the most important games of the season. OK, look, so just one final thing, because you mentioned that De Gea, and that I, it's interesting you mentioned that, because the, the one thing, I'm going to ask you about coaching, because what, one thing I do know about De Gea is when they signed him, uh, Eric Black was the uh, not Eric Black, the goal the goal cut the name is Eric Steele. Eric, Eric Steele was there, and there was a very clear plan for the hair. You know how to develop him. I mean, how much how much of it is it down to to the coaching off the field? Well, a lot. I mean, you know, I'm, I'm myself uh, like a coaching instructor for FIFA and for the German FA, uh, educating goalkeeper coaches and. Yes, uh, the, the goalkeeper, the goalkeeper coach uh, is like uh, I would say, like it has to be a father figure. Uh, it has to be like a psychiatrist, a psychologist for the goalkeeper, dealing with mistakes. Uh, also, uh, working during the week on the on the mistakes which were made on the weekend. So to to really, uh, you know, not just working on the physical fitness, working on leading balls or, or, or catching crosses, but working on the mind how to concentrate, how to be really fit at the, at the right time. There is a lot of credit goes there to the goalkeeper coaches. So I think uh, you're very, very right um, to follow that plan, to work uh, very, very detailed on the weakness of a goalkeeper. Also to kind of like create a goalkeeper, I would call it profile, how you want your goalkeeper to play so it fits best in the system. Yeah. When it comes to distribution, all that kind of detailed work that is up to the goalkeeper coach. You can club alone and his staff, they can't do that because most of the, the goalkeeper coach works with the two guys or the three guys. So in the end of the day, I think you're very right. It is important. There's a clear plan. There's a clear development. How do I work? On what do I work to, to really get the best out of them? Well, maybe, maybe lots we need to get a, get a John Henry on the phone to yourself and get you over to Melwood then maybe or, the new, or when we move to the new training base. Fancy a job in Liverpool? I love Liverpool, you know. I'm like I'm a Yorkshire man, as you can hear in my accent. So, uh, <laughs> not not too not too far from Liverpool. So at the end of the day, yeah. I mean, anyway, next time I come over, I will definitely visit you as as we already planning for the. Well, you, you still haven't been to Anfield yet, you know. You've been promising and promising. 
I'm always in London and in Manchester, you know, nothing. Uh, if you, but if you next year, if you play in Europe, then I will be definitely there. Super. Lutz, that's absolutely fantastic. Thanks very much for your uh, for your advice and uh, guidance there. Absolutely brilliant to talk to you again, mate. Um, all the best for the rest of the season. We'll catch up soon. Okay. That, now Cheers back to Rob in the studio. Andy with uh, Lutz Fallensteel there. Um, it's an interesting, interesting new perspective on carries for us there, Steve. I think as a supporter body... We've, I think we've rushed. We, we certainly have rushed to, to to rule him out, and we've seen the manager drop in favour of Mignolet. Have we been too hasty? Maybe a touch. Um, I think Liverpool were crying out for a new keeper, and, and we 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 praying to the high heavens that this guy was going to be the saviour. Because we really, really, you know, Mignolet was not feeling any of us with joy last season, and again a couple of times this season as well. So um, I think we all maybe expected a little bit too much too soon. You've got to remember that the lad's only the same age as Danny Ward as well, who we just spoke about, and, okay. you know, is, is working well, as a young keeper. So um, I think that there's certainly room for him to grow. Um, he's certainly got room to improve. We've seen that as well. But, you know, it, the way he, he was spoken about then uh, obviously tells he, he's, a, he's a great talent over in Germany and we should certainly bear with him and maybe give him a little more time. Um, it also helps, I think, this season, which we haven't had. If you've got the Europa League games or stuff like that, when you can blood in sort of a keeper that way as well and give him sort of games here, games there against teams that you should really be beating, especially at home, and fill them with confidence because obviously the biggest thing about keeper is a confidence and if you haven't got that, then uh, then you're going to struggle. I thought it was really interesting as well what Lutz was saying about the coaching aspect of it. Like the goalie coach has almost got, as much as being a coach, has almost got to be a Father figure as yeah. well, mm-hmm. with it being such a specialist position. I mean, mm-hmm. you might know a little bit more about that. Yeah, I mean, you spend a lot of one-on-one time with your goalkeeper coaches. Obviously, when you're when you're outfield player, it's it's you're not as isolated. Uh, you're with this whole whole team, um, so you do spend a lot of time. And it, it is the goalkeeper's coach's job to build your confidence, to, to get all these doubts out of your head, to, to work on your weaknesses and stuff like that. So he does have to be someone, there has to be a very strong bond there with the goalkeeper coach. Um, there's certainly been a few questions asked by some of our fans in the past about our goalkeeper coach. Um, you know, there's probably more questions than answers still there, I think, at the moment. So um, it's it's interesting to, you know, to, to see that. I think a couple of keepers we've had in the past maybe haven't really pushed on to where we thought they were going to be, maybe even regressed. And, and is that down to the coach? We're not too sure, but... Um, I certainly think that um, the carriers we should stick around for us. It's certainly another season or two to see if he can push on. And what came out of the interview for me is that yes, we may be we may be being a bit hasty with Carris. He's a young keeper. There's more to come. But is there is there a hint there that stylistically in the Premier League we may always have a problem with this type of keeper because of his uh, his not nat- his non natural aptitude towards the high ball into the box? Well, no, it all depends how you set up really. Um... To be honest, I think the biggest problem for us with goalkeepers is is, is mental. Uh, mm-hmm. I mean, as Steve said earlier, you can't blood keepers, you can't break them in, you can't give them an opportunity, especially mm-hmm. at a big club. And it, it, it's more the, the pressure situation. At time and time again, we sign these keepers who have who've had great seasons at clubs like Sunderland or Mainz for Carriers, for instance. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, where they're, they're in a situation where they're under a different type of pressure. Where if they get beat, you know it's not the end of the world, but mm. and they're fighting an ongoing battle. Where if they win, it it's brilliant because you know because you're struggling or you're mid table, and you're not the sole focus. Whereas at a club like Liverpool, Manchester United, Arsenal, mm. Chelsea, you know where you're expected to win, that it's a completely different type yeah, of pressure. Absolutely, yeah. absolutely, mm. completely different type of pressure. So it's it's the questions around that more than any mm. technical deficiencies that, that I'd be concerned about. I think also you got to remember you know, the likes if you like Sunderland if you like Mainz you know, you're probably you're probably getting about as an extra seventy five percent eighty percent shots at your per game as well. So you know if you're saving 
you know, 15 of them, 20 shots. And, you know, there's a couple of mistakes in there. Then the mistakes aren't as magnified as what they are when you're at Liverpool when you're probably getting you know, eight or six or seven shots a game and you really got to make sure you're 100% on all them. I also think it's a bit of a sort of trait these days, but it may be a bit of a lost art with goalkeepers, especially the young ones coming through. You don't see many these days commanding the box. You see, like, it's a newer, newer, I think, a Courtois as well. He, these are really big lads, but... A lot of keepers nowadays, you know, they don't like the old used to where they come and get two hands and they catch it. It's a lot of fisting, a lot of punching because they just want to make sure they clear the danger. And I'm not too sure as as much. I mean, I'd, I'd, I would like to see certainly command your sort of six yard boxing around that area. But back in the day, you see your Bruce Grabelard coming for, for crosses. Well, I mean, to be fair, Rainer, the area Rainer, and stuff like that. Rainey used to dominate. Yeah, he did. He was one, one and he, but again, he was one who used to punch. Not many people come now and dominate it like like you. You'd want your old school keepers to by getting your hands on it and catching yeah. it and nullifying the danger. It's all punching now. It's all clearing clearing the present danger. If you is, like. is that is that how the game has changed though? Because the, the game is quicker, the balls are a lot lighter. And also the, the the nature of set pieces. Now, if you were to set piece fifteen mm. years ago, and how people set up compared to how they set up now, yeah, it's all completely different. It's all like blocking running lanes mm. and so on and so forth. Just play the percentages. Yeah, uh, clear the danger. If you get your, if the ball's hanging in the air, the keeper's thinking, I can either try and catch this, and maybe there's a chance I might drop it, or I can get my fist on it and clear out the area, and I, and I can set myself again, and then you know def- defend the next yeah. ball coming in. Um, I'm not too sure whether it's coached them as well. Where they they're saying if you're not confident, get your hands safety on it. Safety first, yeah, safety first, yeah. get it away. It's not something I like. I like to see if a keeper's coming and he can get two hands up to punch it, two hands up to catch it for me all day. You know what I mean? But I just think it's a, a thing that's coming into the modern game more and more that keepers will throw a fist at it rather than try and catch it. I I think regardless of whether they go for the catch or the fist, the keeper has to be the it, the keeper has the height advantage in the box. Mm. Not just they naturally big lads, they have that stretch with the arm. It's 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 it's, it's the nature of the sport. They have to be the first contact on a ball that goes in. Really. Mm. I was brought up on keepers like that. Uh, keepers who you know these the, the cliche used to be you you want your keeper flying over the top of your centre halves. Yeah. And Grobelar was certainly that. See, I I disagree with the pairies on that. See, I I like decisiveness. I like that. I, I think there's nothing worse than a keeper that will come one minute and not the next. Well, yeah, you got to have got to have consistency. If you said to me, "There's your keeper," you've got three choices: three keepers. You have got one who's going to come for everything, mm-hmm. miss a few, make a few mistakes. You got one who's not going to come at all, and then one who might come if he fancies it. Well, I'll take the one who comes for everything, makes everything, a couple of mistakes yeah. first. Mm. And here lies the problem. Then, we'll, we'll come on to England in a minute. He does that quite a lot. He's inconsistent with what he does. Exactly, and well, that's what and. Or the one who just, you know what he's like, Shea Given doesn't leave his line, but yeah. you know exactly what you're doing, exactly, and it's someone yeah. else's job mm. to deal with it. That's yeah. fine. You could argue the gay the point as well. The gay doesn't come for much. No, no, he, unless he's short of taking it. Yeah, exactly, yeah. Um, and then, or you've got the, the one in the middle, which leads into, into Mignolet, mm. which is the which is not ideal for anyone because you don't, you, well, no it's one just know, chaos. No one knows what's going on. Yeah, I mean, it, it definitely instills a confidence if you know your keeper's going to come for everything because uh, you can then, if you, you can then sort of shield the player get out of the way and let the keeper deal with it if you know he's not going to come then you, you take responsibility and deal with it yourself um, and that's definitely been a problem of ours for, for the past two three years okay well let's let's uh, delve more into into the nature of Simon the Ming Mingale um, Andy spoke to David Priest another former professional goalie and here it is absolutely delighted to welcome David Priest onto this week's Anfield Rap podcast uh, for those that don't know David is uh, the person whose opinion I rob and pass off as my own constantly about goalkeepers, um, former goalkeeper. Now uh, he's doing a bit in the media. He's doing a bit of writing. Uh, recently done a fantastic piece uh, on Claudio Bravo, and uh, deconstructed his game for the Times. And um, yeah, you're doing odds and sods. You're, you're busy tonight as well, aren't you, David? I am. Yeah, I'm just, uh, just doing the uh, Monday night club with, uh, with Mark Chapman tonight. So I'm uh, looking forward to that anyway. Superb. What's on the agenda? 
Um, it's just international stuff, really. I mean, it's a bit. Uh, it's only a bit quieter with uh, with England games. There's a bit, a bit of talk about, like you know, uh, with Seamus Coburn's injury and and, uh, and obviously the England game uh, yesterday, like you know. I saw um funny just before we get on to it. I saw um today you, you had a little thing on Twitter about um Tom Heaton and why uh, and you suggested that maybe he should be he should be played for England the other night. Yeah, I I, I just think so. I mean, one he probably deserves it. Uh, or he more than deserves it, actually. He's uh, not just himself and obviously Kane's come into the squad and they've both been... I mean, you look at the the, the stat analysis of, uh, of Burnley's defending and uh, it's just been incredible this season and it's, it's the one reason why they, they're as comfortable as they are at the minute. And I think with, with Tom, you know, the other day it was a, it was a perfect uh, chance for him to just, uh, just to get a game under his belt and, and bring Kane in and, and so sort of settle them both down, really. Yeah, no relation, uh, you know, by the way. What's that? No relation. <laughs> just try to bump him up there, I thought. Uh, yeah, but he's uh, but he deserves it. And I think, I know he's a bit outside, out of mind, um, Joe Hart. And uh, I don't really uh, don't really follow Italian football that in depth, but I've been been trying to take in as many games as I see of him and. Yeah, and I know he's playing behind a, a, a bit of a rickety defence of the Torino, like, you know, but a few bits I've seen of him, like, you know, it's, it's, it, I'm not sure whether he's deserved to keep his place, to be honest with you. Mm-hmm. I think, you know, you know, Gareth Southgate's talking about Defoe and keeping people in the squad on, on and playing them because, on uh, on credit. I think if that's the key, then you've got to give, uh, you have to give Heaton a chance, but no, it didn't happen, did it? No. Anyway, so we'll get to it. Um, it's interesting how that one develops. Um, we've got David Dunn on the show today to um, talk about my special subject, this uh, Simon Mingley. Um, so obviously we've gone through, we've, we've heard Joel before, we're talking about Jamal George and Camille Grabara. We've just heard the brilliant Lutz, um, Lutz fan and Steele talking about Lawrence Carrius. And uh, David, you um, watch Sunderland quite well, avidly and... Uh, you know, Simon Mingley was the goalie there and, and had, a, had a fantastic season. To get, went to the season just stayed up a couple of years ago, came to Liverpool and it's not really been playing sailing. No, I mean, it, uh, we, we've spoken about it a few times before where there's a real change in mentality neither for a keeper who's going from Sunderland who's been used to being, uh, being busy all the time. And you, you never really get much criticism or goals conceded really simply because... Yeah, you, you're keeping teams in the game more than it, but when you play for Liverpool. You're expected to win games, or at least uh, win them points, and, and it, it just hasn't been, uh, it just hasn't happened for them. I think this season um, we're probably a bit, a bit more, bit more confidence in him. And yeah, really, I think it was, uh, it, it ended up being a, a positive thing for him that he got uh, for, for Carius. Um, because it just gave him, probably gave him the time to, to go away, work on a few things with, with John Achterberg, and then uh, and it took the pressure off him as well because the pressure was mounting on him. You could, I mean, you know, you saw being at Anfield and you know, and the ball would go back to feet, and there was a, a you know, sort of, sort of an audible groan, and there was a bit of apprehension, and and it got to that stage where he, he needed to be taken out, and I think. Uh, I mean, you'll know better than me the last few weeks, uh, the last few months. Uh, it's uh, from, from my point of view, I think he's, he's more confident. Kate, what do you think? Yeah, no, he's certainly you're getting more consistency out of him. Certainly, um, I mean, he's never been a goalkeeper to take a risk anyway, but he just seems to be. I don't know whether put it this way, he's having a better season this season than he has 
since he's probably his first couple of games when he arrived. But there's still that nagging doubt at the back of your mind, and you'll know better than me in the, in the defense. There's still that nagging doubt that he's only five seconds away from from making a mistake, you know. And that and that kind of the the, the problem I've got with him isn't actually with him. It's the fear he transmits throughout the team. Now maybe that's just my yeah. view of it, and I've got it wrong. But you know yourself, you've played the game when. You know, when everyone seems to be like they're looking at each other, and it just seems to be he's always at the scene of the crime. If you know what I mean? Yeah, exactly. I and I mean, whether whether it's a goal or not, or whether it could ever happen, I've just been having to think to myself over the last, especially the last few weeks, and just think that Casper Smith will be a hell of a fit at Liverpool. And and I think what one of the reasons, are, you know, the, the situation around Simon as well is that it's a fact that everybody knows that. He does a number at the club, really. Um, you know, and regardless of whether anybody thinks that Karius is a better keeper or not, he's still going to be in next season. Where you can't really say that about uh, about Simon, I don't think. And I think that's it's kind of like uh, it, it could work in his favour. Where he could say, "Well, I've got nothing to lose," and you know, he, he frees himself up a bit and relaxes and, and, and performs better. But it's just a, the insecurity over his, over his future. I think it, it, it doesn't help him at all, right now. Well, I mean, what, what I was going to ask you as well, I mean, Caddis hasn't gone off to the best of starts and we spoke to lots at length about that, but there's always the the way the, the way the, the football's commentated in the media where the, the, there's, when Caddis made a mistake, there was always the thing of, well, if that was Mingale, you'd slaughter him, but then there's the body of evidence that Simon Mingale's you know, built up over, over a couple of years and I always feel sorry for him in so much as that he knows that any slight mistake he's going to get slaughtered. And, you know, I suppose the big question is, has he gone past the point where, unless he overnight turns into Manuel Neuer, you know, has it gone past the point where he, he can ever really, ever be settled as Liverpool number one? Well, that's it. And it, it, I mean, it, 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 whatever happens in the um, in the stands, the, the noise from the stands, it does affect you, and, it, and, it, and it, you mightn't be able to hear certain, you know, certain voices or anything. But you know, you, you get the, you get just the atmosphere and, and and what people's perceptions of you are and, and what they think of you. And he probably just feel it. He probably just feel it. You know that he hasn't got the confidence of the of the fans, and he knows he probably. I mean, so he hasn't got the confidence of the manager. The manager's put him back in, but the fact that he brought in uh, somebody to take his place. Suggest that uh, he doesn't have his confidence. And I think it it does play in you, and it, it, it. But at the same time, it takes a strong mentality. Like you know, when you know things are things are stacked against you, um, to to perform on a, on a weekly basis. And I mean, like I said to you before, I mean, he's clean sheet clean sheet record hasn't been bad. Um, he's especially in previous seasons, and it's not like uh, you know, it's not like he's a bad goalkeeper. I said it before. It's the fact that he's just not. It's probably not at the level that's uh, that's going to take Liverpool, you know, in, in the challenge of the title. Do you think? Do you think maybe that the fact he was dropped and he, he's the pennies may have dropped with him. That you know, the pennies dropped with him and he's realised he's not the long term number one. Do you think, kind of paradoxically, that's taken the pressure off because he's he's had a couple of really good games, Man United away, for example, where he do. My problem with him, he always seems to overthink things. Whereas against Man United, yeah. a couple of the stops, he was just pure instinct. You know, that one for McTarrion especially. I don't see him making that save a couple of months earlier and I don't know what exactly has changed. Yeah, well, I think you, you've probably sitting on the head there. Like, you know, he, he's... I think he probably speaks the same as everyone else about his, his future and it, it does release him a little bit and free him up. But 
ultimately uh, at, at Sunderland as well. And he just, in one-on-one situations, he seems to be a little bit stronger, but more confident. Uh, I think he, it's, it's always been a, a decent strength of his. But I think, um, I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm not sure whether, whether if he... If he thinks he's uh, if he's going somewhere else, that uh, like said, it's going to free him up and, and make him relax a little bit more. I mean, I mean, I, I meant to ask as someone who's who's played the game and played the game for a long, long time, and you know has been first choice and second choice. You talk about the crowd. I'd, I'd love to. I'd love to hear your your insight on this. When things aren't going well, and the crowd are on your back, whether you perceive them to be or whether they are actually are. How much does that affect your game as a goalkeeper? I think it's probably, it depends on your state of mind at, at the time. Um, if you're low on confidence, it, it can really get to you. And like you said about overthinking things, that's what makes you do. You know, it, it takes you out. Of it. You, what you want is, you, you know, when you do, you get in your, uh, your pre-match routine, all that's to get yourself in, uh, to a point where you, you're in the zone. And we talk about when, you know, you know yourself, if a goalkeeper comes for a cross in the first couple of minutes, that's him set up for the game. And it's almost like anything comes out of, becomes automatic after that. So when you start thinking and you start sort of analysing during the game, and that, that's me, to be honest, that, uh, it was probably one of my weaknesses for a long time, that if you made if I made a mistake or when a goal went in, I'd be thinking about it for the next five minutes. So if you go, I'd be going over to the spot, you know, it, it breaks in play for ball uh, in the spot where I was and then be looking behind me and thinking, well, should I be, you know, and if, when you get that, to that point when you're analysing during the game and you're not in the zone, that's when you're in trouble. It's, uh, but also, it, in the reverse side of that, in, I, I didn't have a great start to, to my uh, time up in Aberdeen. And it probably, I got injured quite early on. Probably took, I think it took me about 15 months to get back on the side. And I knew that, Hello. I knew that I'd have to. Uh, <laughs> I knew that I'd have to. Uh, you know, I was going to have to work double hours to uh, the fans' favour back, like you know. And it just made me more determined. And there was points when I probably could have left. I came down to Tranmere for a little bit. I almost had the Tranmere, and uh, but I, I just made me more. It was, it was like a stubbornness to, to say, "Well, I'm not going to leave here until uh, until I've decided." Like you know, so it, it can work both ways. It can be a motivation as well. You, know, you can you can use it to spur yourself on as well. Can you well, the the paradox to that um, is there a risk of over over obsessing? I only ask you because I was talking to a, a friend of mine who's at a, at a club in the Championship, and I don't want to name names and, and stitch them up. But uh, in their squad, they've they've got a goalie there who um, who's not playing particularly well, and they they're convinced he's actually over training and over obsessing on the detail. To the point where he's a bag of nerves. Yeah, I mean, that's well. I mean, I, I, I probably fell foul of that myself. Whereas I, I got into a, I got into a state of mind where I, I thought that if I ever took a day off, then or that I, I, if I didn't train, or if I wasn't doing everything possible I could, whether it was in the gym in the afternoon or whatever, you know, I was I, I wouldn't be able to perform at my best. And all that does, it it, it just wears you down really physically because. I'd, I'd I'd go about three or four months and I'd, I'd be I'd be working hard every day. I wouldn't be taking any days off. And all of a sudden, your you, your body just breaks down. You either get injured or you, you're susceptible to, uh, to to viruses and things like that. You know, and I, I get um, you know I, I'd be ill for a while. You know, so it, it, it can it can it can work against you in that way. But I think it's 
at the same time, you, you don't want to turn around and say, oh, well, I didn't do everything possible to, to get myself back into to into form. And it's, it's a balance. And that's where goalkeeping coaches come into it as well. Sometimes goalkeeping coaches, not just about working players hard, it's about putting the reins on them as well and making sure that uh, if, you, if you train too well and, you know, you go over, over a certain point where, you, where your peak is and it becomes detrimental. It's from mental side as well. Um, you know, I think part of the job is, is to make sure that when your goalkeeper makes a mistake or that they start beating themselves up, you've got, you've got to make sure that they, they don't do too much. Because sometimes if, if, if I, the ball comes in and you get a shot and it goes in and I think I should have saved that, Sometimes you need the, the goalkeeper. No, you didn't actually. You did everything you could do there. Yeah. And, and you need to sit down with them and show them and on video and show them exactly what uh, you know they, they, they couldn't do anymore. And, and I think that's what happens, and that's what you could be careful of. And that's what you got to put the reins on them for. Because once you get that style yourself up, and then you become too hard on yourself, you've got to try and nip that in the bud quickly, really. Well, I mean, I mean, isn't isn't that like isn't that the the, the golden answer? You know that. To, to avoid that slight hesitation, and you, I mean, you know as much as I do, far more than I do, that playing in goal—it's it's not even football; it's a completely different sport. And that yeah. the, the slightest mental doubt can—it's it, not just like giving away a soft throw in; it, the slightest niggle can totally throw you off your game. I mean, for instance, what I was going to ask you is: that there's been occasions in the past when, and whether it's just my mental perception, but we've come out, and it's about two or three minutes in the game, and, and the, the goalkeeper hasn't even touched the ball. We're well, looking at him and you're going, he doesn't look right. The goalkeeper doesn't look mm. right. Like he's walked out on the pitch thinking, I best not make a mistake here. I mean, is that a thing or is that just, is, am I getting that wrong? Oh, no, it's certainly like, you know, but I mean, like all things that can go both ways because then it's, it's like um, people see fear of failure as a, um, as a sort of negative. But I mean, that's what drives some people on. Some people thrive off that. But I think it, there's nothing worse. There isn't. I mean, it's very rare that you actually see it, especially at top level. There's nothing worse than seeing a goalkeeper who you see is clearly uh, struggling for confidence. And and you're, you're exactly like that. They've done nothing in the game. They've took no part in it. But you can just look at somebody and look at the demeanour and look at something tells you that, that something's not right. And there's, there's nothing in my eyes. Isn't, it's not worse than that, and I feel so. You feel so much sympathy for keepers because you, you know I've, I've been in that position myself. We all have, but you know, it's time when you, you've just got to try and front it out. And uh, it's easier than done, really. But I think it, more than anything, it's like anything else. It's, it's about balance. You know, on a, there, there, was a, there was a keeper used to play called Peter Kerr, a Danish fellow who's um, you know two weeks mate for a while uh, from the Danish national squad. And that's all he ever spoke about after the game. He never got too, uh, too wound up and uh, never too happy. After, after we got beat, he was never too down. He just always kept on a level. Yeah. That's, that, that, that's key to it, really. That, that's what I found. It was the best years I had. I probably didn't enjoy them as much because I think that's part, or part of football, the ups and the downs. Yeah. But it, 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 it's better... It, it's better for a goalkeeper, I think, to, to be more robotic. Not everyone can be like Schmeichel and Rant and Dave and also keep the focus. I think somebody like modern day keepers now probably is better off than like uh, Edwin Van der Sar. Yeah, just robotic. And, like robotic yeah, 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 exactly. Calm and, and 
he still had his authority, even though he wasn't ranting and raving all the time. Like, you know, but well, you knew what he was going to do. You knew you knew what he was going to do. Ninety nine percent of the time, his, his back four knew exactly what he was going to be doing, which is most of the half the battle. But, but, and that's it. I mean, we, we go back to Carrie and, uh, and you, know, you see that the the both haven't had great uh, times the last couple of seasons. Uh, not great stuff and Carrie's Minnesota form has been iffy. So then, is it down to both their goalkeepers or is it down to uh, the defence that's playing in front of them? Is uh, is the relationship between the goalkeepers and the defence, is, is that not working? There's, there's more to it than just simply the, the, the keeper uh, not playing well. OK, well, I mean, one thing that's come through speaking to yourself and Lutz before and Carrie, you both more or less said exactly the same thing. Lutz was saying playing for Mainz is totally different to playing for Liverpool and you said the same about Sunderland and Mingo. Like, is it almost like... I know, and I know we said football for a goalie is a completely different game to an outfield, but is is there almost two different, completely different types of goalkeeper playing two different games? Is there a game within a game in regards to you may only need to do one thing or a game, but you best do it right and you're under all this pressure? And is that completely different to, say, Simon, who I'm sure if he went to, I don't know, amid, you know a, a team where there's not so much pressure, he'd excel again. Do, do, do you think there is that that difference between the, the, the like the top keepers and the rest? Definitely, and I, I think it, you fit the nail on the head there because it's if, if you look at somebody, somebody I looked at was the type of keeper who was it was always there when they were called upon was uh, Stefan Kloss. Yeah, when Stefan Kloss was at Rangers, he very often uh, he'd have to make one or two games, uh, one or two saves a, a game. And he'd, uh, especially when I remember times we've played him, like, he's just made incredible reflex saves in the last minutes where we could, you know, we're 1 0 down and somebody, somebody has a great strike or something and he, and he pulls off this ridiculous save. And he, he hadn't t- he not touched the ball for 20 minutes. And the same goes, I mean, he wasn't um, technically the best goalkeeper, he wasn't brilliant um, and crosses, not, not at all. But he was always there, and, and he was the type of keeper, exactly the type of keeper that Rangers needed at that time. And it's the same now with uh, any team at the top. You know, it's you know, it's, uh, Pep wants his uh, wants his keepers to play out the way that he does. And but the, the most important thing is that they're there when needed. And, and it's and that's why I keep saying about about Man City that they need someone like All Black, somebody that they can yeah. rely on. <clears throat> yeah, it's, it's, it's not to say that he can't play from the back. Any goalkeeper now who is under twenty-five should 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 not be struggling with a feet. No, it's taken us it's taken us it's long twenty odd years from the uh, or twenty-five years from the from the, start of the goalkeeper uh, from the back pass rule. Yeah, for us to now be starting to develop people like Jack Butland and um, Jordan Pickford. Yeah, well, I, I rate Jordan Pickford. By the way, I think he's I think he's a superb prospect. Do you know what he, he is? He's, and, and not just that. He, see, when you, you see a player talking on TV, and like all of them say the same things. We're all trying to like look confident, but you can always tell. Well, he looks tough. Can I, from the outside yeah. in, he looks tough to me, and I like that in a keeper. He, he, he does. That's, he just he, whatever he says, you can tell he means it. And when he says, uh, you know. I think he was asked when he first started, or were you nervous when you made your debut? I think he was down, I don't know if it made debut at Arsenal. Yeah. And then she's like, no, I says, I loved it, it was brilliant. And it was great because it was just sort of like, um, you knew that he, he, that's exactly what he meant. He did really enjoy it. You'd see it on his face, like, you know, and he's, 
he's just determined and he's got a, he's got a great attitude and like I said he, he's technically his feet is just if when he's not on the side Sunderland haven't got a baller in their side they've got he's the only one in that side who can put the foot on the ball he's the best passer that, in that team and he's playing in goal and he's playing in goal so yeah. alright since you mentioned them I'm going to throw this at you uh, I'm, I'm assuming the worst happens in uh, and Sunderland do get relegated would Liverpool be absolutely stupid not to be having a look at him? Yeah, but, but by all accounts, they, they, they'd be in a long queue. Uh, I know that, Can you have a word? I, I know that. <laughs> I know that. Uh, I know that City were before he got injured uh, just before Christmas. I know City were were really uh, interested in preparing uh, to take them, and uh, and now I know that you know Arsenal and Manu they, they're uh, they've not their interest as well. So yeah. they, like I said, they're getting a the queue, but he's. Uh, Regardless of what happens to Sunderland, I don't, I'm not sure he'd be there next season anyway. Well, I mean, fingers crossed if he goes, he ends, he ends up with us because we could mm-hmm. do with someone like that and, you know, be the next England goalkeeper for the next 15 years. David, that's been absolutely fantastic. Just one more thing before you go. You mentioned All Black. Do you not find it funny that Atletico Madrid went from being the worst team in Europe for goalkeepers to then going through De Gea to Courtois to All Black all in the space of six <laughs> years? What's the trick? Well, so well, I don't know, it's so much changed there, aren't it? Is it all down to German no, Bagos, is it? Well, do you know what? It, it very well could be. I mean, it's, you know, they've become that type of club that's, uh, because the way that they play, it's, it's, they need a, a good goalkeeper, you know. It, it's just, it's, it seems to be in their, well, it's what Simeone's made their DNA now, you know. It's, yeah. they've got just reliability all over the place and, He's more than reliable, all black, isn't he? You know what I mean? He's just, he's just phenomenal. Oh, and the fact that, well, somebody needs to go to to Ljubljana because he must be producing. There's something in the water over there. You know, we've got Hand Handanovic and all black playing for Slovenia, right? You know, I'd take either was, one. Of them. I'd take either one. Of them. But, but even yeah, but this is the thing, though. I mean, I know Handanovic. I met him a couple of years ago when I was in Iceland. Um, one of the lads who I played with uh, in Iceland, a guy called Ford Gadberg. Gazebegovic, mm. he was a Slovenian lad, and I was playing Slovenian in the World Cup qualifying. So he took us to the hotel, and he was mates with five, he was friends with five of the uh, Slovenian side, including Handanovic, mm-hmm. and all, all five of them, and, and the lad I played with, so six of them, they all grew up and uh, lived in the same apartment block. In Ljubljana, uh, yeah, it's mad, like you know. Has it been to, has it been raided by FIFA drug testers by any chance? <laughs> <laughs> it, 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 it's amazing that they all could just come from this, this one building. We all went to school together, and oh, it's just mad. Like, oh, but you're right, Handanovic. I watched, even just watching him warm up was a. He just made it look so simple. It was, it, in a way, a bit like uh, a bit like Buffon. There was nothing flash about him. There was, there was nothing sort of, um, you know, he didn't do anything special in the, in the warm up uh, in the game. He just everything just looked so easy to him, like you know. And I think. Uh, I know he's he's a, he's a great club in Inter Milan, like you know, but uh, yeah, I'd love to see him over there. Love to see him because I mean, he's, he's not that old. Was he thirty-one or something? Like that. You should be an agent, mate. You make a fortune. <laughs> Listen, Dave, we're going to wrap this up. I've already taken enough of your time. Thank you so much for talking to us about that and and specifically on Simon Mingle. Uh, we're going to go right back to uh, Rob in the studio. Thanks very much, Dave. Andy with David Priest there again. Very interesting. It was good that wasn't it? Yeah, it Thank certainly you. was. Um, Simon Mignolet, the 
he's, he's steadily, steadily winning hearts and minds. I don't think he's all the way there yet, and I don't know mm. if we ever see him as our long-term future, but the progress is, uh, is undeniable. Yeah, you know, credit where credit's due. Um, I think I think me as as well as many many others have been critical of him in the past, but um, he certainly knuckled down and improved again this season. Still got a bit of a howler in on again. I thought he a couple of times what maybe the goal at Hull being one when it, when he was a bit well wasn't great. Uh, there's a probably a couple of other times when he could do better, but certainly them stupid stupid mistakes that you used to see from him. He seems to be sort of getting less and less. His distribution seems to be improving as well. He seems to have stopped putting us under. Some needless pressure at times with little back passes out, um, because there was one was at one stage, you know, every time he got the ball, the ground was filled with this uneasy tension, and, and I'm yeah. sure that fed back to the players on the pitch, and it was it was pretty uncomfortable for everyone really. But uh, yeah, he's definitely, uh, well, as I said, credit where credit's due. He's knuckled down. He's again every time he's been left out in the past, I think he's he's come back a bit stronger. I think it's always quite work for him, um, and I just think again he's improved. I'm not too sure, but I don't think he'll be the long term answer. I don't think. Um, the manager sees him that way. Um, he's still got one in him, though, hasn't he? Uh, yeah, you know, always, you know, yeah. I mean, as I said, Holloway was, was one, definitely. Yeah. I was there watching that one. I thought the Arsenal goal at home when we played Arsenal, I thought he, he could have done better with that. But again, you know, that was a nitpicky one. But the, the Holloway one, this is the kind of stuff he does. He, he, he's never the bravest sometimes for me. And, um, and he's, still, he's still doing that thing we, we were talking about just before the break there about the, the cross need. He's neither coming nor going sometimes, yeah. and it just spreads absolute panic. Yeah, well, I think, but I think he's be, be more consistent with that. He's coming in, and again, just getting fists on it and getting away, clearing the danger. Um, he's not trying to flap it and try and get two hands in and catching it. And if that's the way he's, he's comfortable, then then so be it, you know. Um, but I don't think he's a long long term answer for us. I think I think the club will see it that way as well. I think there's a, there must be um, something in the pipeline for us, and uh, maybe in the summer. Do you think? The, I mean, we, we, we talked about it, how he's improved and he has improved. I mean, Old Trafford, mm. the phenomenal Great performance. Mm. And it's almost as if he's been, he's demop happy, he's been freed by this. And I, I, it's just a guess, hypothesis. Mm. Because he knows he's not the long-term solution, he's not putting that pressure on himself anymore. Yeah. Mm. And it's kind of, well, whatever will be, will be. I mean, I'm just going to make the best of it. And he's not feeling that pressure because you can't tell me. We watched them for seasons. Mm. And we, we mentioned it with David there. You can tell within five minutes, even if he hasn't touched the ball, it's going to be one of those days with him because he yeah, just doesn't yeah, yeah. look. He mm. shrinks. He does, yeah. He shrinks. It's funny that, isn't it? Because you can, you can visibly see his shoulders drop. Literally, yeah. you know, if you do, if something happens in the first sort of sort of four or five minutes, he's very much a confidence player. Um, but maybe he maybe that is sort of you maybe I've got something something there, and you know I think maybe as he thinks himself, well, you know, maybe my days are not behaved anyway, so I'm just going to enjoy it while I can. Uh, maybe that's helped him. Maybe that's just lost himself. You know, the pressure's off a little bit. And I can only do what I can do. Um, you know, and. It, it's worked for him a little bit because I said he's knuckled down, he's improved. So, or maybe, or, or maybe it, it is just improvement. Maybe, yeah. And he's not. Yeah. And he's not I mean, mm. we were talking then in the interview about keepers typically the perfectionists mm. and they can over obsess. And it, and it goes back to the whole thing it, about there being two different types of goalkeeper, where it, it again being different at Sunderland to Liverpool. And it, you can imagine it'd be very easy to over obsess during the mm. weekend training about the finer details and mm -hmm. fill in your head to the point where it's actually counterproductive. And again, it's another, as, as was mentioned in the interview with David there, it's as much the role of a goalie coach. I know the father figure that Lutz said, but to rein that in as well, if yeah. you see them mm. like overanalyzing and overthinking, to maybe just pull them in and go, you know what, just just yeah. relax a little bit. Yeah, that's, that's that's obviously massive because you know if you get inside your head too much, it's never going to, all you're going to do is raise more doubts. Um, again, I think that just comes, that comes down to more natural ability than anything. If you're able to, just rely on instincts, real, real. Just, um, I mean, 
I think the biggest thing about football these days, which is the enjoyment, and if, if you can go out and enjoy your football, then all the pressures are gone for me. Yeah. Um, again, it's difficult being a keeper because you are under such scrutiny, especially for Liverpool Football Club, where a lot has been made of the keepers over the past sort of two or three seasons. You know, isn't it, isn't it funny that almost the perfect keeper is someone who doesn't care? Yeah, uh, absolutely. I mean, Bruce Gobbler was a very prime prime example of that. Did not give a shit. Make a mistake. He didn't care because he, he would just keep coming, keep coming for every single ball because well, exactly. he didn't care. Thick skins. Uh, exactly. Yeah, and you know, and you have to be thick skins as a keeper. You, you get you, you you put yourself on the line to get absolute pelters if you make a mistake. Bruce Gobbler made them, but he was also an absolutely outstanding yeah. goalkeeper as well. well yeah, I mean, you, you go through them. David David James, Stan has said the thing. Most naturally gifted goalkeeper yeah. I've seen at Liverpool. Physically, perfect in, in, in my lifetime. Well, you could see him, he'd make a mistake and you could tell the next one and the next one and the next one. Mm-hmm. And I mean, David, he was brave enough to admit as well in his career where he's he's, he's made a mistake in a game. And for the next five minutes, it, it's just a nightmare because he's over-obsessed and he's looking at the spot where he should have dived. And, mm. you know, where as he said, these elite keepers, do you make a mistake? And it's like, Pff, yeah, it's gone. Gone, mm. forget about it. And, it, and again, it goes back to the coaching. Can you coach that? Is that is that a thing you can... I don't think you can. I, I don't... I mean, <sighs> Is it almost? Is it almost as if there's two, there's two types of goalkeeper? Mm, yeah, I think so. Yeah, it's it's, it's personality, right? It's spot on from Rob because I think you you either you either comfortable in your own head about being a keeper. I think again, if you if you've got form for making mistakes, if you keep making them, and you get it's a build up of things, isn't it? But if you're a very very good goalkeeper and you know you're a good goalkeeper, one mistake doesn't get knocked off your stride. You know, you, you get up and get back on the horse straight away, and away you go. What do you make of um Because in the in the interview, Dave, David, I mean, we had a little chat about Jordan Pickford, who, who I rate highly, and apparently a load of clubs mm. are after. But David threw in a shout that and he'd been linked before for um Casper Schmeichel. Yeah. He said he wouldn't be a bad move for Liverpool. Uh, you know, he's won the Premier League. And he seems to have that arrogance that his dad did, where you mm. think, you prick. But you want that, you yeah, want yeah. that. Mm. Where he just washes off and forget about it. And he's got that experience now of, of, of winning the title too. If you give me a choice of the two, at the moment, I'd take Schmeichel. Um, I, was, I wrote something on Twitter about it last week when I watched the, the West Ham game. I think he, he's very, very good. Doesn't make too many mistakes. I mean, every goalkeeper makes mistakes now and again. You're never going to get away from that. But it's the frequency. Well, he, does, he doesn't dip after a mistake. Yeah, and he seems to come back. Yeah. You know, the confidence thing is there. As you said, the arrogance, which again, the keepers needs a little bit of. Um, he would definitely be more of a short term thing because I don't think he's, he's getting any younger. So no. He must be over 30 now, approaching 30 odd. Michael. I, I shall refer to the Google. <laughs> yeah, I but mean, P- I mean, Pickford is, is a highly thought of. Um, again, as I mentioned before, he doesn't seem the biggest for me sometimes, which I think is a is a big thing for, for a goalkeeper to be. I think you need that physical presence. Same height as Rainer, though. Yeah, as we, yeah, we did just mention that before. Again, someone who you utterly meet in real life, you never realise how big he is. You know, Rainer was an absolute tank. Um, I mean, yeah. Schmeich, Schmeich, I'm looking at this, Casper Schmeichel, he's 30, but he's only six foot one. God, you really? Yeah, yeah. yeah. big blonde hair. You'd expect to explore the But it's, it's perception. I mean, what I always refer to is the Che Given Pepe Reina, who's taller, mm. and everyone would say Reina when actually the, 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 the same, same height. height. Yeah, yeah. The same height. Mm. So, yeah, it's interesting, Schmeichel. We, we were chatting before the show about you know the dearth of of world class keepers out there, and there are a handful, and they're all mm. spoken for. But then again, you know, I think I suggested, is there a, is there a new, is there a Van der Zaar out there? A guy on the edge of veteran stage. Maybe Casper mm. Schmeichel is that guy, yeah. Steve. Maybe maybe that kind of 7.5 out of 10 keeper is the guy is the guy we need rather than sort of dipping into the market and looking for the next big thing. You, you can just as easily be a Scott Carson or a, mm. or, or, or a Kirkland. That, that might be a shout. I mean, there's nothing to say. I mean, Schmeichel's there. There's nothing to say that Caddius... In, in in season or two, could be the you oh. know could be the answer. I said he's, he's only a young lad. He's only twenty three, and there's obviously something there. Mm. Germany produced 
brilliant goalkeepers. They do, yeah. And he's very highly thought of. So there's something in there. There is. It's just. It's just a. I'm just not too sure how fragile he is mentally at the moment. I just think he might be able to kick on for now. And again, that might be something we'll be able to get into him. But I'm not too sure whether. He's had a few cup games since he's been dropped. Yeah, he's, he's, he's looked, done all right. He's, he's, he's actually performed better. Yes, yeah. I mean, but there were times when he went for Liverpool when he was he was woeful. You know, oh, awful. This, yeah. this season, obviously, he's, he's been absolutely terrible. But again, he's a young lad. As I said, he's the same age as Danny Ward, so there's still plenty of time for him to improve. Manile, I think, is not getting any younger, and certainly doesn't fill us with confidence, and we'll always have that in him. But so I think someone like Schmeichel will definitely fill up uh, be, be a, a decent replacement for him. Do you think with Manile as well, what what he's hindered by? And maybe gets let's carry us off the hook a little bit in so much as there's such a body of evidence of Mingale, mm. Mingale's, I won't say faults, but say weaknesses or mm. his back catalogue is pretty vast. Yeah, the, he'll never get the benefit of the doubt where mm. where the, the Carrius is still young enough to go. Well, you Some know credit what? in the bank. Yeah, 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 maybe. Yeah, yeah. That that's always the case. I mean, Mingale's <laughs> through that many howlers with us now. I think every time you know people are just. Ready and waiting for him to, to do another one, really. As soon as he does, again, the, 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 the crowd turns and they're on his back straight away. Um, like that's not healthy for anyone, well, you, especially, especially the, the team, you know. You're spot on. He could have nine, really, and he, he's gone through periods of yeah. four or five really good games, and then the minute he makes one, mm. you're back to square one again, then, and you're like, oh. No. Exactly. I mean, I, I said, I was, when he, he played pretty well for four or five games, and then went to Hall and he threw that in, and everyone in the crowd was going, oh, he's t- it's, that's it now. He's, yeah, I was he's, finished he's, he's got to go now, you know what I mean? But. Yeah. You, you kind of forget straight away that he, he played out of his skin for four or five games before that. You yeah. know, it's it's because as I said, it is is his form and his back catalogue for, for these these errors is, is it goes back quite a long way. Well, let's play virtual Klopp then. Let's as to reach a conclusion here. <sighs> what you know, we've got we've got Mignolet, We th- we say he's doing better. We may have been too harsh on him, but the, but he has that history. We've got Carius has also had an inconsistent time, but he's got youth on his side. There are other keepers out there. If you're the Liverpool manager now. What's your solution? Which one do you keep? Which do you ditch? Do you keep both? Who do you go for? He, Let's make some predictions. He signs a replacement for Mignolet and that replacement will fight it out with Carius for the number one spot. And who would be your pick? In the trans- if, 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 realistically if, 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 or fantasy? Oh, realistically. Realistically. He's available-ish. I really like Pickford, but I get a feeling that a couple of other clubs have already stolen the match. And the, the, reality, the fact of the matter is if City are in for him because Bravo's not started mm-hmm. too well... Or Chelsea informed they can they can throw the kind of money at him that we just mm. can't compete with, but I definitely take him. I, de- I definitely take Pickford. I, I I raise him really really highly, and if not, I'd well, as we saw, I'd, I'd have a punt on Schmeichel. Mm. See the, the Pickford was interesting because if the likes you know if if the rumours are true so to speak and the likes of Chelsea and Man United and Man City you could see Man City wanting to keep her. You can understand that because obviously the two they've got haven't really set the world alight this season. Um, yeah, obviously United have got the guy who's probably one of the best, if not the best keeper in the world at the moment. Um, Chelsea, likewise, Courtois, you'd have him in a, in a heartbeat. Um, We're meant so, to be losing him, aren't we, to Madrid? Well, yeah, it was one, I think one or two of them will go. For one, I was at them, two will go to Madrid in the summer because, again, they've struggled with, with their keeper. Um, so if, again, one of them goes sniffing around, Pickford, they're going to throw silly money at, money at him. So I can't, I can't see him... I mean, can't see him coming to us. I mean, I, my, my preference still would be, even above Pickford, would be Schmeichel. I think he's... Probably one of the best outside of the game and course well in in the Premier League, I think, and uh, seems to be pretty reliable. Still makes ridiculously good saves, but like his dad, uh, and it probably pissed the manks off no end if he came to us and started winning stuff. Can Would I you... can I throw a wild shout in? Yeah. <laughs> Pepe Pepe Reina. He still he still play well, and he still play yeah. well. The distribute you look at the way Klopp oh, so set out, but 
Pepe Reina is, I think he's 34. I'll tell you right yeah. now. 34. Yes, there you go. It's mad uh, to think that so many of our fans would, would said he, he's finished, he can go. And he's no, there we go. What, six, seven years later, he's still going. But even at his poorest, he's better than what we've mm. had. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And when he, and you look at, he's, he's having a good season at Napoli there. But you talk about, look at the style of play, how we play. Yeah. Getting the ball out from the back quick, hitting the, hitting the, uh, the, the bylines, release, quick release, mm. good throw, strong, good character, strong mentally. You know, and mm. with a team that does lack leaders, I, 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 that wasn't really it just occurred to me yeah. I mean it, it, our game now was probably never suited someone like Rainer Moore if you know yep. where we play uh, I don't I think when Rafa was here when he was uh, he was our keeper we didn't really play a lot with the ball out quickly to, to the to the full backs and centre half so you know, we set up now probably better to suit Rainer Moore than anyone so and it, yeah and I, I've always got a soft spot for Pepe Rainer I think and, he's a great keeper a stage in his career now where he'd come and he'd, he'd be happy with a fight for his mm. mentor for, for his jersey yeah yeah, yeah. I mean, you look, I mean, Napoli must be looking at, I suppose, towards the future as well and thinking about replacing them at some point. And if, you know, if, if you're going to bring someone like Alex Manninger in, then there's always a place for someone like Pepe Reina. Exactly. You know what I mean? There's, he's miles better than... Would than you that, buy so. two keepers, stay in the summer? Or would you would you keep Loris? Loris I, see, I, see, I like Danny Ward as well. <laughs> for the things I've seen about him from him, I think he's a, a keeper with loads to, to, to offer as well. Uh, again, room for improvements. Um, so your virtual Klopp decision would be Schmeichel I'd be out of Ludwig Schmeichel and, and I think Danny Ward will probably go out again on loan to someone maybe Huddersfield if they come up um, if you know and, and I think if not I, mean, I, I rate Danny Ward higher than Karras myself at the moment obviously other people have got different opinions on how he's rated in Germany but me, for, for me I'd love to see Schmeichel as, as our keeper next year I think it'd be a good addition I, I'm, I'm down with that and mm. that brings us to the end of the show it's been really so who are you bombing I'm bombing Simon. I'm sorry, Simon. I've been bombing you for some time, Vlad. I'm not going to stop bombing you now. And I, I, I agree with the, I agree with all your all the shouts. I mean, I like the idea of Casper Schmeichel. I think as a wild one, if we can't a steady Eddie signing like Rain would be brilliant. Pickford, I don't honestly know enough about. I'd be mm. nervous about throwing another young keeper into the mix. I, I want some experience. Maybe silly money. I I spoke on Pickford. I spoke to David about this because my question to him was, well, what about this thing about signing a keeper from like Sunderland mm. to Liverpool that not destroying me? He said no. He said this kid and he knows a lot about him. He said his first that his first game for Sunderland, he, he came off the pitch, and um, he stuck a mic under him. We talk about this arrogance. He stuck a mic mm. under his nose and said, uh, "Were you nervous?" And he went, "No, I loved it. It's great, wasn't it?" <laughs> That's exactly what That's you what want. You want to hear it from your keeper. Okay, I like more of that. It's been quite the goalkeeper journey. Thank you to Andy for all those those really really interesting interviews, and thanks for Steve joining us. This has been the Anfield Wrap. Sports Social Podcast Network.